I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalise you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me. I'm an education consultant specialising in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Welcome to Thriving Matters. And my guest today is Raj Nathu. And welcome, Raj. I hope you're cool. Uh, thanks, Gary. Yeah, uh, it's quite hot today in Sydney, but luckily the AC is working, so that's a lifesaver. <laughs> oh, it's a blessing, isn't it? Thank heavens. Um, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on today. And, um, you know, from uh, one sort of, I'm a, I would call myself a mini entrepreneur at the moment, um, a, sole, a sole founder um, to another, um, yeah. your life story and your work story is absolutely amazing. So I always ask my guest, Firstly, though, what actually puts um, helps you get out of bed each morning, just as a start, because we're talking about all things thriving. Thriving matters is is the name of our podcast. And, you know, when I say that, people go, this girl's delusional because she thinks thriving is, is always energetic and happy and optimistic. And you know what? Some days it's hard yakka. So what, what gets you out of bed each day? What did it this morning for you, Raj? You mean besides my wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm a morning person by nature, Carrie. Uh, I love mornings. I live for the mornings. I'm actually not much of a sleeper, if I may put it that way, rather. Oh. I sleep late, but I, I literally function on five hours of sleep. Uh, I, I just love the mornings, um, the fresh air. Mm. Uh, um, in fact, for the past month, I couldn't go to the gym because of the new COVID uh, restrictions the gym was opening too late for me so I was going for walks at 5 30 in the morning and coming back at about seven so that was amazing wow. because the streets are deserted there's no one out there you just that's beautiful yeah fresh air so the mornings itself is what gets me out of the bed the energy it is and I, I'm, a, I'm a morning girl too I love yeah. it so get those shoes on and off we go walk and, <laughs> exactly, walk yeah. and talk whether you talk to yourself or you listen to someone talking or you or you ring a couple of people and say good day for the morning oh well done you so listeners our episodes are all about ordinary guys and gals doing extraordinary things in life and work and everyone's story is absolutely precious and whether we think we've got a story or not is another matter but usually our curiosity is what brings us together and I've been lucky enough to connect with Raj and his story is really worth telling so Raj you have a business background you're a coach um, an entrepreneur so tell us a little bit about Raj um, just a pot pot bio as we as we start this. <laughs> well, you know, you, you talk. You said you you're a mini entrepreneur, and <laughs> I uh, I think my entrepreneurship started when I was back in high school, back in South Africa already, uh, because the high school that I was going to um, going back uh, just a step before that, growing up in an, uh, in a country where it was where apartheid was the rule of law and it was legal racism was a legal form of government uh, mm-hmm. and living in that country. Um, the school that I went to 
it was compulsory to learn accounting as a subject for, for, for my entire high school years. And so when I was in year 11, my dad, who had his own uh, business, he uh, was in contact with a lot of smaller entrepreneurs and they were always on the lookout for cheap bookkeepers, you know. <laughs> so, so my dad told me one day, why don't you just start your own bookkeeping practice because you know basic accounting. And he says, I'll help you complete the tax uh, submissions that they need to Obviously, we're talking about back in the 1980s, you know, so uh, there wasn't all these regulations that we have today for accountants, <laughs> uh, thank heavens. And so my first foray into starting my own business was my own bookkeeping practice. And by the end of year 12, I had about 18 clients. And that gave me enough money to pay for my uni fees. So wow, that's <laughs> that was my cool. first foray into entrepreneurship. <laughs> and uh, I, and uh, so since then, I've always been in business. Uh, I think for the greater part of my adult life, I've rarely worked for any organization. I'm not even more than six years, I think, in total. Yeah my entire what 35 odd years <laughs> so i've mostly just been in business for myself oh what a thank you for that that's um that's giving anyone listening um a great um idea of who you are and what it is so that all those um that background that life experience you gain living in a path apartheid and um and experiencing races racism in a way, I think has fueled who you are today and how you go about it. So now you have your own business. Yeah. And it's it's called, if uh, anyone's listening, it, yeah. Well, it's called Keystone Active Learning. So we focus on uh, medium enterprises, medium businesses. We help them with their learning and development uh, uh, sectors of their uh, business to help uh, develop talent within the business for them, identify uh, areas where they might need talent, where we find specialist uh, people that we can bring into the organization. Mm. But, uh, and then we also develop a talent framework for them, a learning framework for the business so that uh, individuals working within the organization can identify a career growth pathway for themselves. Uh, rather than looking to exit the company and uh, because the company doesn't offer career growth for them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of organizations, and that seems to be a trend going forward now, and it started in the USA where organizations are starting to adopt a, a learning framework or a knowledge, uh, a knowledge center for, mm -hmm. not just for the organization, but for their staff as well. Mm -hmm. In fact, just before coming into this call with you, I was watching a recording of a, of a webinar, which I couldn't attend purely because of time difference with the USA. So I was watching the recording and Sandra Lachlan, uh, in that recording, she was talking about more and more organizations in the USA having to adopt an approach that they actually are a sort of a corporate university. Yeah. Because university is not preparing uh, individuals for the world of work the way they would like them to. Mm. So with organizations, large organizations at least, can offer this to, to individuals. Uh, individuals have a better idea of what's expected of them in a professional world yeah. rather than what the universities are teaching. Now, you know, the thing with technology being as it is today, that kind of capability is not just the domain of large organizations. Now, medium-sized organizations can also have this kind of capability. And that's what my focus in our business is all about, bringing oh, that capability yeah. to medium organizations. I really like your name too, Keystone. Keystone. Yeah. Um, 
It's, it is interesting, isn't it, because more and more people are now being more self-directed and self-motivated around their development. Yeah. Where, and, you know, um, I in a large educational organisation, there was quite a move about more than a decade ago around this notion of self-directed, self-motivated. And I think that's, if we're talking about how you lead people for that, anyone who's running their own businesses, leading um, departments in organisations, whether you're the CEO, the general manager, or, you know, the, a director, or whatever it is that we call, um, we have a responsibility really to lead for others, not just ourselves. And, well, yeah. Yeah. and the variety of options available, you only have to look at Mind Valley and what it yeah. offers. And oh, that yes. is that is all, all self-motivated, you yeah. know, based in some amazing practices. Um, and more and more people, I think, are seeking that out when they they don't get the opportunity in the workplace or they believe there's favouritism or some bias in place yeah. um, because we will all react to um, things when they're unfair or we feel that we don't have a voice or that we're not able to contribute as best that we could. So we go looking elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. And it's it's amazing you mentioned Mind Valley because uh, Vishen Lakhiani, who started Mind Valley and uh, his book on the extraordinary mind, it was probably one of, it's still one of my top five favorite books that I've read in, in uh -huh. the last few years. But it's an absolute eye-opener for me. If you, I don't know if you've read that book or not, Kerry, uh, but it's a, an amazing book. Yeah. And, and, and he, he, he set out those 10 principles. And, and uh, one of them, which he calls a whole, uh, uh, don't follow all the rules, which is so it's a <laughs> phrase that is coined, obviously, uh, referring to rules, because... Uh, we we are so sort of grounded by society's rules or organizations rules that we feel there's no opportunity to grow as individuals and he sort of tells you to just get rid of those chains and follow your own path identify your own purpose and if you look at what's going on in the world around us and we're talking about leadership i think people are actually grabbing that leadership thing by the scruff of the neck in a sense yeah. where they're quitting their jobs and wanting to lead their own lives they're taking ownership of their own destiny oh, and, perfect, and mass in a way in some cases yeah. <laughs> well we're, i think uh well i said to someone this morning um, out on my walk, I, I have a local coffee shop that I pop by to get a, a juice in the morning. Um, and so you get to know local identity. So this particular morning, I was sitting down having a chat with Mike, and he's sort of a self-made man as well. So it's, I always find it interesting finding uh, people's stories. Yeah. And um, he, um, you know, and he said, you know, I'm looking at generations now. What what we're going to be leaving for the next generation mm -hmm. and then what they will be leaving for the generation after them. And I think that's one of the keystones of leadership yeah, as yeah. well is, is it's not just for today. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's not just, we talk about being in the moment. Yes, we can be present and in the moment for ourselves, but we actually have to look forward. For the but you know, the thing well, is that, uh, and that's actually an excellent point because it's, it, it's a, it's a point that my son and I was 25 years old. We often have the same discussion over the dinner table. And his, his point is that uh, being the, the generation that he's coming from and what they're going to inherit from us as a world that uh, dad, what kind of a world are we inheriting from you? You know? And, uh, and I, I dead. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell him that's very true, but I tell him, uh, but remember that, 
we also, and, and my parents in particular, inherited a world after World War II. So they also inherited a world vastly different from what they would have liked to inherit, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it has played out in the past, but in a different way. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, and and as human beings, isn't it amazing that we get these challenges that we can work towards? I look at it from a positive way rather than an, yes, look, the debt is going to be there. But I mean, I think Carrie, in our younger years, me in South Africa, and I'm I'm not quite sure about Australia, but uh, back in the 70s, 80s, we had double-digit interest rates. Oh. Uh, you know, so so that was a reality already then, and we grew up in that world. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, my dad going to the I, I remember him with his small business going cap in end to the bank manager for a loan for a bank overdraft. You know, that's right. And, that's uh, right. <laughs> in fact, I have a funny story that uh, my dad had this habit of always paying for everything he wanted in life. Uh-huh. In Yep. And then uh, the bank manager called him one day and said, why don't you apply for a MasterCard? So my dad said, well, I don't have a need for a credit card. He said, well, just get it anyway. You know, he was obviously just trying to sell a MasterCard to him. My dad applied and he actually got rejected <laughs> simply because he had no credit history. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are so right. Um, you, you gave me just back a memory of having... Um, for, I decided to have 10 years at home because we end up with four children. So we had our own instant play group, right? Yeah. And um, we we had 17.5% interest rates and one wage, four kids, yeah. and I used to sew, I used to sew for a whole decade, desi- design, yeah. so make cash money. And, um, yeah, I was telling, I was telling that uh, to somebody else. And you, get, you actually go back and go, wow, we did it. We did. actually did it. Yeah. We, we can do it again whether we want to or not. But Raj, you just gave me an insight into some of your story. So let's share that some of that with your with with the listeners as well. Okay. So when did you come to Australia? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I came in two thousand and three. So that's what eighteen odd years ago now. Yes, yes. Uh, so thank you for son, coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, obviously it was uh, it was at the back of some personal tragedy that I went through in a in a. Uh, hold up in our business now I was actually I'm actually living a second life and I want to I don't want to dwell too much on that because there's just too much of negativity on that and I'll rather focus on the positivity of it mm-hmm. but um, I suppose you, uh, as parents you make decisions in your life that uh, are focused on your kids because you want a better life for your kids uh, even you Carrie you've got kids but you've got grandkids and you you speak to, uh, to no end about them all the time <laughs> And, and, the and, and the passion that comes out is amazing and, 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 and it's beautiful to see that. And the same thing applies with me as well. And uh, my son was exactly two months old when that tragedy happened to me. And so I just sort of made that decision that, you know what, I don't want him living in a world like this. But, yeah. but you sort of leave that country uh, sadly because you know that that's the country you're born in but, and, and there are uh, um, the amount of opportunity there is in that country is just unbelievable. Mm. Uh, unbelievable because you're having to grow a country from the ground up again, you know. So that's where opportunity actually resides. But then again, it's a it's, uh, when we talk about f- uh, fright and flight, you know, that's what keeps in. Yeah. And when we talk about emo- you and I talk a lot about emotional intelligence, and you make those emotional decisions. And, and today, when you're 18 years later, you're calm, you're safe, uh, you're secure. And you look back and you ask yourself, did I really make that decision emotionally? Or if I had to really sit back and think about it, would I have made the same decision? 
you know. And, and uh, I can't answer that question. On, quite honestly, I can't. Because when I look at my son and how he's doing well in his career and how he loves his job, and I don't think he would have had that same opportunity there. So when I look at it from his perspective, mm. I say, what's my purpose in this world? My purpose in this world is always to make life better for the next person, whether it's my son or anyone else I, 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 uh, I get into contact with, like with you. Uh, I might do something that might make your life better, and that helps me. It makes my, my world a better world. Uh, that's our purpose in this world, essentially, isn't it? That yeah, we yeah. Do help each other and not just me. It's not just about me. And that's what I try and tell my trainees or clients that I'm coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Nothing what you're doing is about you. It's always about the next person. What are you doing for the next person? Okay. And that's basically what Maslow also mentioned, you know, all those years ago, that when at the very top of the pyramid, it's all about what can I do? For others. the next person in this well, world. We, we often use for the good of the village as a term, don't we? I, I yeah. really like that because I think what has, has happened, though, is we've actually come back to the village. Yeah. Our neighbourhoods, our, our neighbours are supporting each other. We've done that. But what you just you just brought up something for me when you were talking about would my son be, have been able to do that? And mm -hmm. I think um, it was the other day we were talking about sons, mothers and sons and families and We've got a wedding coming up, and uh, which is lovely. Um, hopefully in March, <laughs> that's what we're aiming for. One of the boys, and um, when I was speaking to another woman the other day, she said to me, "She said I've always said to my sons, you be, you'll become a man when you can think of others, not yourself. Beautiful. When you think of others first and not yourself." Yeah. Beautiful. And you just said that because I think you did have emotional intelligence and I'll tell you why. One of the um, competencies that we know about for emotional intelligence is this thing called emotional reasoning and how we reason. And a lot of the people, you know, a lot of the companies, the certifications, anything, all the information around emotional reasons says when you take into account not just the te technical data, and you include what you know about the emotional data that's going to come in and then how you are able to manage that. Yeah. And then you make a decision based on all the data, not just stats, not yeah. just the, the, the bottom line figures, yeah. but you and you don't just make it on emotions, yeah. you know, this desire to have what you want or, exactly. or you make it on behalf of others. Yeah. And yeah. that comes together in that in the decision-making, that's the gold. And I think that's what you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. it's basically what Ed DeBono said in Six Thinking Hats, if you might yeah. remember as well from that book, an amazing book as well, that you take the emotion out of it, take the feeling factor out of it, and then look at it for the data, look at it for the situation you're in, and make your decisions looking at each of those six areas individually, and then yeah. put it all together and say, okay, what's my final answer? Yeah. How am I going to move forward, you know? Uh, although I know, I mean, at that time, it was sort of a knee-jerk kind of a decision. That, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but again, you know, you still think back oftentimes and ask yourself, would you have made, you sort of challenge your, your, your line of thinking. Uh, and it's always good to do that, you know, to, uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to sort of maintain some kind of perspective in your life uh, yeah. uh, the, on how you're thinking about doing things and going forward as well. It gives you uh, sort of a roadmap on how you should be rationalizing 
against mm. uh, decision making. You know, when you make that was a major change in your life, wasn't it? Oh well, yeah, look, you know, uh, migrating is not easy for anybody. Uh, whether you come in, you know, as a refugee or you actually are purposely mig- migrating to another country, uh, because it requires you to uh, now form new friendships. Yeah. Uh, those are friends you grew up with from childhood days. And uh, in fact, just uh, yesterday in a training session with someone, I asked them, the que- uh, there were six people, then I asked them the question that how many of you here are still friends with people that you went to school with, primary school and high school? And out of the six, only one picked up their hand, mm-hmm. which was amazing. But then uh, the other five were also migrants. <laughs> so so uh, some of them said we keep in touch through WhatsApp, thanks to the technology of that or, or Facebook yeah. like that, but not often. But the one person that did pick up their hand said, we, we normally go out uh, you know, every couple of months or so often for a dinner or something like that as a catch up with some yeah. groups of the old friends. I'm thank, thank heaven still very much in touch with my high school friends. Uh, I make it a point of keeping in touch with them at least every couple of weeks or so, even 18 years later. Wow. Uh, because it's, I think it's really important to do that. Uh, old friends are gold friends, you know, that's as they say. Uh, yeah. But yeah. in the same way, I've also made a lot of new friends here. And, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's also an amazing thing to have. So I'm very, very fortunate from that perspective. Yeah. But then coming to a new country, it's also a case of uh, culture. How do I fit in into the culture of this country? Uh, besides, besides the Australian accent and my South African accent, trying to <laughs> uh, make sense of that. Um, I suppose uh, I always have to be careful of when I'm coaching or training, making sure that people do understand my accent. And I think 18 years later, I've gotten a lot better at what it was, what it was like before. Uh, I've learned to speak a bit slower and maybe open my mouth a, more, a bit wider just to make my message more clearer. <laughs> it's very interesting when you speak with people and they go, can you say that again, please? Yes, and yes. and you, the furrowed lines come on, they're going, what yes. the devil did she say? <laughs> I, th- I think the most fun I have, though, is when I'm speaking to people and uh, like when I'm doing a bit of diversity training in the world, <laughs> one of the first questions I ask them is, uh, where do you think I'm from? And I would rarely ever get South Africa as an answer unless someone in the group is South African or they know somebody who's South African. They would always uh, go to Fiji or, or, or India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, one of those countries, you know, okay. simply by looking at the color of my skin. And, uh, and so, and this is uh, a good start to uh, diversity training to stop you from making assumptions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> immediately, but rather get to know people first, you know. And, uh, and so when you look back at uh, the apartheid ex- experiment, uh, I think if they would have just promoted the concept of people mixing together and communicating together, that country will not have as many challenges as what they have today as what they would have had just yeah. by virtue of those barriers between races would come down. And this country itself as well, we've got so many different ethnicities, people from so many different, I think we almost represent every nationality in the we world do. right now. Yeah. I mean, at least the suburb I'm living here in, in the Ponds area in Northwest Sydney, I think Blacktown is one of the most cosmopolitan cities in Australia. I was only only in Blacktown on the weekend seeing a very yeah. good friend 
And um, I hadn't been out there for absolute ages. And yeah. I, I was what it was a great trip to just to see how it's grown, who was yeah. who was at the shops, um, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, and it's uh, I just think that's that is that's to me is the magic ingredient for Australia is the mixing pot that it is. Oh yeah, and and and, and if we can just find how we can use that advantage to our benefit as individuals, as an organisation, imagine what we can do together. Unbelievable. So, Raj, you've talked, you've shared a couple of things that have been really significant in your, um, the way you've, you lived your life and the decisions you've made. So from your, um, uh, the huge change that you experienced as a young father in South Mm -hmm. Africa to migrating to Australia. So is all your family here now? Have uh, most of your your extended family? Yeah, so I have two other siblings. I'm the one in the middle, fortunately. So I can get to speak to two different generations because we're actually seven years apart each way. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we're all here. So that's really, uh, and that's another big advantage for me and my whole family. My Mm -hmm. mom's here, my my dad was here, but he passed on here in Australia. But uh, yeah, so as a family, we all here. So that's really beautiful for us as well. Yeah. And 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 for anyone who's listening who's a migrant, if you're alone, that is uh, that is a challenge when you don't have uh, family close by. You start adopting families, you know, yes. Uh, yes. with neighbors or friends or your kids' uh, parents, uh, friends' uh, parents, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So if you look back on your um, your career at the moment, would you, apart from, say, um, Fishner's Mind Valley, you know, The Extraordinary Mind, you, you've mentioned that book that mm-hmm. was significant for you, has there been a mentor, a significant person, a, and you've already discussed your, the, big, um, the big change that you had in South Africa. Yeah. Um, has there been anybody else that um, has or continues to be someone you regard highly and is significant for how you look at your business and how you live your life? Oh, well, firstly, obviously, my dad was uh, an amazing role model because uh, this is a man that had literally four or five years of education only mm-hmm. in his life, uh, had no money. He'd been the eldest in the family, and this is post-World War II. Uh, he had to start working at the a, at a very very young age to support the rest of his family. Uh, his father, my grandfather, was actually uh, um, s- making uniforms for the army, for the British army, uh-huh. <laughs> back in the World War Two days. So, uh, so, so my dad was working at a very young age, and uh, eventually, when he became an adult and got married. Um, he identified an opportunity on one uh, as a salesperson going store to store to take orders back in those days when salesmen used to travel. <laughs> we used to call them travelers here. Travelers, that's exactly. Travelers, yeah, we used to call yeah. them as well, travelers. Very different and, to the travelers in Europe who are yeah. sort of gypsy based. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, he was a traveler as well himself. And he came into this little town, and uh, which was a mining town. And um, he saw this. He met uh, one of his customers, and his customers told him, "Oh, look, you know, my business is not really succeeding, and I'm looking to sell it." And so my dad went back home and spoke to my mom, and he said, "But you know, it sounds like a good business uh, if you've got all these ideas. But where are we going to get the money?" And so he went to his cousin, brother, and his uncle. And the amazing thing is that both of them said, uh, "Look." You know, because the, uh, those days was all dealing in 
pounds and shillings or little coins, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so his uncle had this little uh, shop where he uh, was located next to the movie theater. And he was selling chips and coldings and things like that. And it, he had these tins that he would just throw all the coins in because there no cash registers those days, right? <laughs> uh, so his uncle told him, just go back in the, in the room in the back there and you'll find one of those tins. Just take it home and count it and whenever you've got the money, pay me, you know, I don't even want to know how much it is, but my dad being who he is, he went home and accounted for every cent that was in the tin and gave him a record of it. And that's how he bought the business. Oh, and, brilliant uh, story. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, and, I, and I often think of that. They say, do you get that kind of trust today? Uh, you really, you really find that kind of trust today, you know? And uh, so, um, and that's how he started that business with five years of education and he became a self-made millionaire Mm -hmm. Um, uh, after about I think about eight or nine years of running that business he and my mom went on the six-month world tour (laughs) that cost them six thousand dollars for the two of them (laughs) that would have been huge money for them yeah those days but imagine (laughs) oh wow you can't go from here to Queensland for a week for six (laughs) thousand Yes, yes. Oh, but isn't that a beautiful, because that, that's all about trust, isn't it? That's yeah, all about yeah. trust. So, so when you look at role models, I, I oftentimes look at those old folks. Yeah. How did they do things? There was just this blind trust given to each other simply because we are brethren. That's it. Nothing more than that. Because we are connected, we are family, and we need to be there for each other. And somewhere along the line, I think we tend to lose some of that as we become more modern, more technologically. I don't know if technology has got to do with anything to do with it, really speaking. Uh, but I think we just uh, um, are, are very much self-focused today rather than being like I was uh, leading to yeah. earlier. What can I do for another person? What can I do to help another person? You know, yeah. and that's what it is. Yeah, because more and more you're hearing people say um, these days we're actually not going for the organisation or the name of the big organisation. We're actually going for the for what they stand for. So yeah. people are really yeah. walking with their feet and saying we actually like what you stand for and your yeah. social outreach. Yeah. However, however, it's you know whatever it looks like, and there are so many um, amazing um, people doing. Uh, some fantastic stuff around that our younger, our young, I find our younger generations are very vocal about um, sustainability, about the about the world, about yeah. about the value of people and um, the sense of fairness. Yeah. Um, that's what's happening. And I think what um, what's happened for me in the last couple of years, especially with COVID, I'd like to dispute this idea of the Great Resignation. I think what we've got in front of us is the great recontemplation. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And we're, contempla- we're really re- recontemplating what, what we're willing to live with, how we're willing to live, who we, who we are value, valuing, and, uh, yeah, this, this notion of the world because I think our jobs, in, for, for what you and I do um, in our work, we're builders of leaders and uh, it's the next generations that we need to be able to influence and gather, gather up um, the old girls with the grey hair like me, and um, and say, come on, we've you know we've got a great role here to be mentors for younger leaders, and they will do it differently to us, and they should do it differently because the world is a different place. Oh yeah, you know when I listen to my son, like I said, he's twenty five, and I listen to some yeah. of his views, 
I, and uh, what amazes me when I when we really get into a political discussion, <laughs> of course. Uh, in back in high school, he used to be very quiet, but suddenly he's just come out of his shell, and he's got all these world views. You mentioned sustainability; that's one of them. He's mm-hmm. very big about that. And then the other day, he told me, he said, Dad, you know, I'm not happy with where my tax dollars are going. Uh, and I said, okay, so what's your idea? And I'm thinking, uh, damn, I better be prepared for this out of this world thinking here. And he says, uh, out of every dollar, I would like an X percentage to go towards, towards what the government's agenda is. But the Y percentage that's left behind, I must be able to dictate where that money should be going to. So if I feel that, you know, 35% of every dollar that I pay in tax must go towards education. That's my decision. But he says, one thing I'll make sure is that none of my 35%, let's say for argument's sake, goes towards uh, military <laughs> and armaments. And he says, because yeah. I think there's enough of that in this world. And I said, and I said, that's actually a really good idea. You know, I wish we can actually come up with a system like that. That's, I said, to think about it, maybe you might just have a blueprint or something. I don't know, <laughs> you know. But yeah. this is the kind of thinking we having to uh, to to, uh, to work with uh, as as parents of younger of future leaders of this world, as yeah. you say, yeah. you know. And and that's amazing, right? Yes, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And he says because he told me he says, look, technology is available for us today to be able to do that kind of stuff. So why why don't we do that? Yeah. You know? Oh, the converse, the conf- those conversations are super important. I, um, at one stage when our kids were growing up, I'll just share this with the listeners, we had someone who was in the Young Liberals, we had someone who was in Young Labor at the universities, and we had someone who had declared that he was voting Green at the time, and then the youngest said, well, I think a lot of you are mad. But anyway, on a Saturday night when we had friends and come around to the dinner, um, we, we uh, you know, lifelong friends of ours would say, Oh my gosh, it was always entertaining at the Benedettes on a Saturday night. Uh, but what we loved was that your kids had opinions. And they're, 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 they're grown ups do now, but yeah. in, at, a, a, at a younger age, perhaps not. But I think it's really important. You've got to test those. We're, we're better to test your opinion out exactly. within your family. Well, you're soon going to find out who's, who's the black sheep or, you know, the, all, those, no, yeah. all those labels we give each other. But it's about having a voice and being able to discuss and not abuse or disrespect someone. And I think that's another thing that um, that I'm, I'm seeing here. We've got highly charged emotional states over the last three, three, two to three years with yeah. COVID. Yeah. Totally different um, circumstances for people, whether you've been lost a job, whether, whether it's just an attrition thing, whether you've decided to resign and move on whether you're looking for it we we still are able to choose the yep. way we think yep. about things and yep. if we're talking this notion of emotional intelligence i like to think of them as relational skills yeah you know the way we can flip the conversations or seek to understand as stephen covey um you know put to us um I think that's the beauty of the time we're in, seeking to understand. It might take a bit more energy. Yeah, we no, might have to bank our own opinions and yeah. not be so judgmental, but it, people's reasoning is very can be very different to our experience. I oh, think yeah. it's important. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is why I'm so passionate about uh, education. For me, education is front and centre of most of the world's problems. Uh, if, if we just focus on making teaching more people, letting learn, uh, teaching people to think for themselves, make decisions 
better decisions on their own, uh, educating them on how to make decisions and take ownership and things like that. I think we'll have a much better world. Uh, you know, the kids are younger kids are fortunate. They have a thing called the internet, which we didn't have back in the day. We had to go to the library to borrow a book only to find out that someone else has already got all of the, the only <laughs> copy that's there. <laughs> and um, uh, for me, it was much more even difficult than even that growing up. But uh, the thing is that uh, we've got access to a world of information at the click of our mouse. And I think it's going to make better adults, better leaders for tomorrow once they have access to all this education. And, and skills, I think uh, skills of being able to work through the information they've got to make sense of it, but also to say, you know, what's what could be the truth, uh, what what may not be, might, what might be scurrilous or false. I think they're, they're the skills yeah. that we need. So some of those ones are, as well. Yeah. yeah. Raj, um, if our listeners have been listening today, would you have any tidbits of advice if they were to start their own business at the moment based on your looking back? Um, and secondly, if you had a wish for the world, if you had something that you actually wanted to sprinkle, some fairy dust or some magic around, what might they be? Okay. I think firstly, if you want to start a business um first have a good handle, a good understanding of your motivation behind wanting to start a business. I think that would be the first thing I would tell anyone. A lot of uh, times I encounter people that uh, want to start a business because my friends have done it or my siblings are doing it and they're extremely successful or uh, I'm working for this boss, but I think I can do a better job on my own uh, or, or something like that. You know, similar to a, what's going on with the great resignation, as we said earlier. Uh, uh, what's the motivation behind quitting your job and thinking that uh, st- starting a business would be is, is, the, is the next best thing for me to do? They get a good understanding of actually what's driving you. Mm. What's, is it in alignment with your own purpose and your, and your own values in this world? And uh, and if it if you feel that you can do a better job than the company you are working at, ask yourself why do you feel that way? Do you have the necessary tools and all the other things that you're going to be needing uh, that will make you successful in your role? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that existing clients in your existing job will actually follow you, and why should they? I think that's the best question, isn't it? Why should they? Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, all the, ask yourself these questions really hard before uh, doing anything. Not that I'm being negative about starting a business because going into business is one of the most amazing journeys you can ever have in your life. But I, I'd like you to make sure that you know why you're doing it. Because, <laughs> I mean, the statistics are there to sh- enough tests out there to prove that um, most businesses fail within the first three to five years, then mm. those that succeed. And I don't want any one of you to be a, uh, one of those statistics. Uh, so, um, so understanding your purpose, and and uh, and that's what I'm all about in terms of my business. Is first having it alignment between what you want to do in this world, your purpose, and whether you are actually doing that, whether yeah. whether you actually are living your purpose. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you were to sprinkle, use that magic wand the Raj magic wand, what, what would you want to sprinkle? I love, um, I love the sort of the notion of the, of the wand that just goes yeah. in an arc and just starts then to, to, to dribble down on, on t- just 
very dusty. Uh, that's a really interesting question. And I think it, it probably will have to take me back to my roots because, and what I said pretty much earlier, that if, if we can just learn to communicate with what people, with each other and take an interest in one another, just the way you and I are taking an interest in each other here today. And, and I oftentimes do that with, with my training and coaching sessions as well. Last week I did that with a, a small group I had as well, where uh, I took an interest in each and every person and they took an interest in me. And that's what it's all about. And we just spoke about how uh, what a diverse uh, ethnicity of people we have in this country. Yeah. Imagine what an amazing country we'll be. If we just yes. drop our barriers you know, and just go and knock on your neighbor's door and say, listen, this, who, this is who I am and I'd like to know more about you. Let's have a coffee together. Come yes. over to my place for a coffee and let's just get to know each other, you know. And same thing with the person next to you at, at, in your workplace or on the other side of the screen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just take an interest. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that would be my magic wand. <laughs> because we all we all can um, be really uh, biased in how we look at or make assumptions about somebody just because of whether they've got a birthmark on their face or a scar from a fire or they don't dress like we dress or, you know, they may drive the big car and you've got the little putt-putt or whatever yeah. it is. We've all got this, these, yeah. yeah, these barriers. So I yeah. think curiosity is... Well, they say curiosity kills the cat. Well, yeah. I'm going to say curiosity <laughs> opens the doors. Exactly. <laughs> well, the thing is, Carrie, if you ask anybody, why are you doing something long enough? And they'll give you an answer and you keep on asking them why. And you may have heard of this before. Eventually, each and every one of us are coming to the same final answer, which is I want to be happy. So we all here for the joy. same thing anyway, eventually. Yeah, it gives me joy. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. This has been a pretty great conversation today, I must say, Raj. I have to thank you for that. And um, if listeners wanted to find out more about your business, um, you've got a website. Um, you're available on LinkedIn. So your website is? Uh, KeystoneCoaching.online. Yep. Beautiful. KeystoneCoaching.online. Yep, beautiful. Uh, we'll put those in the notes as well. Uh, I know you're on LinkedIn. That's where where we, f we find most people these days. Um, <laughs> and listeners, if you would like to know more about what I do, Carrie Benedette, um, you can find me on all socials. Um, you'll usually find me saying something around this notion of thriving. Um, thriving isn't easy. Raj has just given us an amazing story of, of his life experience and the choices he's, he made based on um, situations that, that he found himself in when he then decided to look at um, the benefits for the generations that are coming after him, his decision was made a lot easier, I believe. So uh, thank you for sharing that today. It's, Thanks. It's and I'm sure there are more great stories. And uh, I love the notion of the can of coins, the trust in the can of coins. I love that. <laughs> love that. So, listeners, if you would, um, if you've enjoyed this episode with Raj Nathu and Carrie Benedet, uh, pop on to your favourite platform. We all like a little bit of love, and it's time to give a little bit of love. We're all sort of greeting a new year, twenty twenty two. We're trying to be as agile as possible because change is all around us. It's a certainty that we're going to be dealing with change most days, most months, most years from now on. It's, it's a reality. 
that we're going to live with forever. That's it. That's it. So over to you now, listeners. Thanks for your company today. Thank you, Raj, very much. It's been a great conversation. And listeners, just remember, you are precious and your thriving matters. Bye for now. I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. 